You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. You know, uh, as I was looking at the platform and I was looking at this, uh, what do you got, about 18 inches here? You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I should just jump right up there. And then I said, but I've done that kind of thing lately and uh, fallen flat on my face. So I decided a walk around might be good for me today. I want to especially thank uh, Pastor Ben, Jessica. These guys are amazing. You know, you've got the best young pastor couple. I, I just, the whole family, they're amazing. And, uh, and it's a, a real pleasure for me to be here today. And, and Ben, he said, I heard they were going to be watching live stream uh, I just want to say you've got a wonderful church here, and they truly do love you, and I love you. And I know that God has something for you today. I understand he's out in California. He went to the West Coast, over or left coast, or went to the West Coast. My brother actually lived in Carlsbad, which is kind of where they're going, and I heard that they were going to try to get some surfing in while they were out there. Did you know they do that? They do that stuff. Uh, and... Um, and I just want to wish you guys some great water temperatures, some big swells, big sets, a couple of bombs for posterity, and, and, and go for it, brah. <laughs> anyway, this, uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm not going to bore you with a lot of details, but, but Avery and I met in college. I was, I was born into a, a military family, so we moved all around, met Avery at the University of Kansas who just lost to Baylor yesterday. I was really disappointed. But uh, I was, we met at the University of Kansas, and it was there. I didn't just find a wife, but we also found the Lord as part of the Jesus movement way back in the 70s. And it was a Pentecostal little group that met together. And we just fell in love with Jesus, and we've never looked back. Our life since that time in 1972, we have just pressed into God, just continued to grow with him at the same pace, which is a blessing for a young couple. You know, I, I, she always was patient for me, and I never had to be patient for her. She kind of had that drug problem where my wife always drug me to church. And we, we went, but we, we just grew in the Lord. We got involved at the first opportunity when we were in a church in Dayton, Ohio, after I got out of the Army. Uh, we uh, got involved in the church there. We started uh, teaching some classes, doing some things, getting excited about Jesus, moved to Grand Rapids. Our first church here was Grand Rapids first. We started, we actually looked in the windows of the old church, and this was in 1979, and when we were looking on a Saturday for a church home, we went around to different churches. I was looking in the windows, and there was someone on the other side looking back at me, and it was, it was on a Saturday, and it was a custodian and her sister, these two ladies, and they were so excited to see us. We still had my son who did, how old is Bill today? He's, how old is he now? He's like 43-year-old son at the time was in my arms. Now I could be in his arms. He's a great big guy. But, but we, we walked up to the church. They said, come on in. They showed us all around, very proud of their building. And they said, you've got to come back and hear our pastor because he's young like you. That'll give you an idea of how long ago that was. <laughs> and, and, and so we got involved there, started teaching single adults. We, five years into it, after being an elder and all those things, we, 
uh, were asked to come on staff, which was quite a change in my life, but we went into the ministry full-time. We worked there for 18 years. I was the interim pastor for a year, then pastored 12 and a half years at Mount Morris Trinity over on the east side of the state near Flint, and then we retired in 2014, and I've heard that pastors never retire. I don't know where that came from, but uh, we uh, right away, Pastor Sam asked us into the office, and I'm still a part of the district missions committee, and uh, he asked us in the office and asked if we would come on staff as a pastor of missions for the church. And I said, well, I'd, I'd rather not be a, on the pastoral team. I'll do it as a layman. That'd be better for everybody because that means that you don't have to pay me a salary. And it also means that I don't have to go to staff meetings. So, <laughs> so that, that was our deal. And I've been doing that ever since. And uh, just enjoying my, I tell you, Sam and Brenda Reifkogel, going through a real tough grieving process right now with the loss of their 27-year-old daughter, Sarah. And, uh, but they are absolute heroes in the faith to me. I just love them to pieces. They're great. They're doing a wonderful job with Grand Rapids First. And believe me, I, I have a lot invested there. So I, I, I'm so thankful to God that he's called them to be a part. Now, the incredible thing about missions, I want to talk briefly about some things that I've learned uh, because we've been involved with missions from our first day in the ministry, uh, we had the missions portfolio at Grand Rapids. We also, of course, got involved, like I said, with the district office uh, with missions. But I've always been astounded by the call of God, what, how he can take a young family, a couple of young parents in their 20s with kids from six years old down to three, three of them, send them off to a place like Bangladesh, where they're gonna suffer incredible hardships in a very difficult country, or the quarters that went to Haiti at one of the worst times. Of course, they had not many good times in Haiti, but when they went down there with their little kids, what was God thinking? And what were they thinking to answer that kind of a call? We have a good friend in Grand Rapids, Missy Hahn. She was called, as, she's a violinist. She's allergic to just about every kind of food there is. God calls her to Cambodia to, and she was also a nurse. She called to Cambodia, working five miles from the Vietnamese border when that place was an absolute mess. People were getting killed right and left. She answers the call of God to go to Cambodia, five miles from the Vietnamese border. Her first Christmas that she was there, just seven, eight months down from the time she got there, they baptized over 100 new believers in the faith. And you have to ask yourself, what in the world? What's behind this? How is it that someone, uh, some young person like that, single girl, fair skin, allergic to every kind of food, now she's eaten in the jungles in Cambodia. What in, how does that happen? You know, we recently at the, at the missions board, we met with a young girl, 24 years old, and actually approved. It was her second time coming before the board because the first time we thought, are you crazy? We didn't say that. <laughs> she has a, she's answering the call of God to go to North Korea. A single 24-year-old fair-skinned girl is answering the call of God to take the word of Christ to the North Korean people. And I tell you, most of us look at that and go, you're whacked. I mean, <laughs> what are you thinking? But that's, why does God do that? And what does that look like? Well, the call of God 
Look at Mark 16. Do you guys, if you guys still use your Bibles, or we put it, I don't know what you get do anymore, but Mark 16, these are kind of the last words of Jesus. In verses 15 and 16, boy, she's way ahead of me. She, I was asked to turn in my outline like a year ago, and I, I didn't ever get it turned in until actually yesterday, last night. So, <laughs> so I'm amazed how quick they are on the but stand with me, if you would, in honor of God's word. And let's just take a look at these passages in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, and then also verse 20, where Jesus says, and the last words that people say are usually very significant, and they tell a story, somewhat a part of the story of their life. And this is Jesus, and he says this to, that, to his disciples. He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. And down in verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. They preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. His disciples took that word everywhere to the then known world and took the words of Christ. And I gotta tell you, it's still happening today, where that word is being carried by faithful people everywhere. Father, I pray that you would quicken your words to our heart, encourage us by them, and help us to be responsive to what you're calling us to, to today. Lord, cause our eyes to look up and realize that you're calling us to a higher calling than we've ever had in our lives, and help us to respond courageously. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I think the reason why last words probably are so significant in somebody's life is because they're not too worried about what others are going to think because they're leaving. <laughs> they won't see them for a while. And so they put out there exactly what's necessary for the ones they're speaking to. And in this case, it was not a new thought. This idea of taking the covenant thoughts of God to people around the world was spoken all the way back to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. There was a covenant drawn with men all along, speaking of God's redemption. God had a plan for your life, a plan for success, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For your success. He had a big dream for you, and he wants you to take that and pass it on to others, not just here, but everywhere around the world. In Genesis 22, 26, and 28, he repeated to Abraham how he was to be a blessing to all, again, all the people of the world. I mean, that's an amazing commitment to someone who's never traveled more than a couple hundred miles from home. The commands of Christ to go and to preach the gospel, they're simple, and they need to be applied unilaterally. There is no way we can wiggle out of what God has called us to. We absolutely must find ways, using whatever influence we have, we must win the lost. God commands it. That's our total reason for being. In the early part of the century, back in the days when ships were made of wood and men were made of iron, that's the title of my message, by the way, I had to work that in somewhere. Our early missionaries, they would pack their belongings, it was said, in a coffin, and they put the coffin on a ship as they went to the field because they didn't expect to return home. They were going to die and be buried 
in the field. That's how serious they were about this 2,000-year-old commission that was given by Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command. Being a Christian means dying. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Dying daily. We die daily. Uh, for the things of Christ. What that means is we have given him our lives. You know, I don't know if, if you've ever stopped and thought over the years, because I've been in the ministry, I don't know, about 600 years now, uh, I've done a lot of funerals. And when you do funerals, you kind of, everything starts coming into perspective. We begin to realize that, wait a minute, you know, I can still remember, I was just sharing with the brother over here about my military experience and and all the great times I had in the Army. And then I stop and think about it. That was 50 years ago. <laughs> you know, where did all that time go? It's just zip-zap. We have the benefit of memories and things like that. So it all comes back in a flash. But nonetheless, that time is gone. And all of a sudden, you're getting... I'm in the, I'm in the last innings of my life. You know, I, 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 don't, I'm not, I mean, I'm not diagnosed with something weird. But I'm just saying that, that I'm 71 years old. You know, and I, I'm not going to live forever. And I would have to say that I'm probably past midlife unless I'm going to live to be 150 or something. And so, so because of that, I have to look at my life and see how did I spend it up to this point? And more importantly, how am I going to spend what I have left? And would that we started in the very beginning of our lives and said, what's the best way for me to spend this amazing gift of life that I've been given? You know, I didn't dream me up. I didn't make a decision somewhere in times before time that I would be born to the parents I had in a certain city in Washington state, live my life for whatever number of years, and die. I didn't figure that out on my God just did it. He put me here, and he has a plan for my life. To find that plan is to find the glory of God in this time and in the future time past death. He puts it all into perspective. But we have to learn how to die daily to Christ. Give up what we want for his sake. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, that passage is real clear. And in Colossians 1, 28, he says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. And to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. See, God gives you the energy to complete the task that he calls you to. Within the call, you find the strength. And so when we sit back a lot of times and God is speaking to you and he's calling you into something that you feel like there's no way. I remember the call into the ministry. I was working as a vice president of a company running their manufacturing division in Grand Rapids as a young man, I don't know how old I was, 33. That's about the time that Jesus died. At 30. Anyway, I was working in this company, and I was thinking about my future and what I was going to do next about business ownership. I was thinking about buying another company somewhere. And, and all of a sudden, God calls me. I, I end up in this meeting with my senior pastor, and he says, Larry, have you ever considered full-time ministry? And I said, no. <laughs> I mean, my background, I was an airborne ranger in the army. I was, you know, my, I was in manufacturing, engineering every, ever since then. 
And so I, no, I never thought about it. You know, that's for liberal arts people, that's for social and psych majors, that's not for guys like me. I mean, I'm not into that at all. And I kind of laughed at the pastor when he said that. And uh, I mean, I was an elder and I was teaching the single adults and doing different things, but that wasn't for me at full time. And so then the next year in the same meeting, he asked me again, he said, Larry, I just really feel like God has a call on your life. Will you pray about it? Well, that was my downfall. I should have never agreed, but he was my pastor. You're not going to tell your pastor, no, I'm not going to pray. And so I said, I'll pray. So I started praying and I only got about oh, maybe four miles up the road to my office, when I had to pull the car over, just like on the day of my salvation, my tears were all, or my eyes were full of tears. I couldn't see, so I pulled the car off the side of the road. And I, <laughs> I could hear God. Now, not, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was almost. It was as close as you could get without the words actually coming out. And he was saying, basically, Larry, we're going in the full-time ministry. Are you coming? That was how it felt. It felt like if I really want to serve God, I have to obey him. I have to do what he's saying. And he, he didn't feel like he was giving me a choice. And so I, I said, okay. And I went on to work. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, every night, I'd be saying, I'm, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Every afternoon, I'd get done. I'm going, I, I have to. I have to go in. The, and I'm back and forth, back and forth. And I finally said, look, I'll give you a nine-month notice. I told my boss, I said, I, I, I asked him, will you give me a nine-month notice because I really feel like God has called me in the ministry. And my boss, thinking that it's just a pa passing thing, you know, said, sure, yeah, I'll give you nine months. You'll figure it out by then. This is really stupid. And then and my, and my pastor, I said, I need nine months. And he agreed. I thought that would be a disqualifier. I thought for sure he wouldn't wait that long. He'd get somebody else. But he said, okay. And nine months later, I find myself behind a desk that says marriage and family enrichment pastor at Grand Rapids First Assembly. And I had left the business world and moved into the ministry. And it was terrifying. I didn't know how to do ministry. I, I, could, I could build a plant. I could design a, a, a line. I could do a lot of different things. But I had no idea how to be a pastor. But God gave me the ability. He... He even used a lot of the things I had learned before to help me to connect with people in ways that maybe other ministers couldn't just because of the experiences that I'd had. And he'll use whatever you give him if you're willing to die to yourself and give it to him. You need to just proclaim it. You know, the ships might not be made of wood today like they were back in the day of the great missionaries like Hudson Taylor, David Livingstone, or Victor Plymeyer, Bill Borden, some of the great missionaries of the past. But nevertheless, we've got a lot of bright young missionaries that are answering the call of God, just like Rachel Bay, heading off to North Africa, right? Is that where she's going? Anybody know? Oh, you're not supposed to say it? I think she's going up to North Carolina or someplace. But anyway, but, but, but there are missionaries like the Brogdons or the Dietrichs or the Penningtons or the Thompsons, different ones that are called to very difficult areas all around the world, and yet they're willing to do it because they believe that God has called them and they know that within the calling is the ability to accomplish the mission. And there's the compulsion of the Holy Spirit, another reason why we must go and preach. Acts 1.8 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I mean, if you look at that closely, you begin to see the baptism in the Holy Spirit's not for the, person, or for the purpose of personal edification. You know, it's not for personal empowerment. It's not for personal discernment or knowledge. Though you will receive all those things as well as a prayer language, the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to go and preach with power and fearlessness the gospel which saved you to an unsaved people. That's why we have been given that gift. We seek it. We better seek it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the reason that he gives it, especially so liberally to so many, is so that we can reach the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the baptism, to go and preach with power and fearlessness. Take it with you. Be a spirit-filled witness. The next thing that has to happen to missionaries, not only do they need that call and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but they need to overcome their prejudices. This is a tough one. You know, what about those extreme situations where you're going into a culture where they don't believe, they're all, they're all heathens, they're atheistic, they're of some weird religion of some kind. You know, how do you, what if there are people that have hated you and your existence. You know, what, what if you're going into, you know, uh, like right now we have this thing between the Russians and the Ukrainians, you know, and, and if you're on one side of that argument and you're saying, boy, those Ukrainians are showing such, showing such incredible courage, we got to get behind them. Those, those Russians, how could they do that to somebody? How can you kill your own people? And yada, yada, yada. You can get yourself worked up into a froth to where you would never go or you'd say you would never go to the people of this particular ilk. It happened to, to Peter. Peter lived in Joppa with Simon the Tanner at this time, and he wrestled with this idea of taking the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. I'm going to skip down. I see I'm running out of time here. Cornelius, uh, Cornelius was the first one, uh, the first to experience the divine nudge that brings the two together. That's Peter and Cornelius. You know, what happened was Peter had this experience with God where God brought this. He said he wouldn't eat certain foods, and God brought down this stuff and said, get up and eat and all that kind of stuff. And he said, I would never do that, God, you know, which is because I, I am too in love with you, and I want to obey you, and I'm not going to do this even though you told me, which sounds kind of paradoxical. But anyway, so, so but God came to Cornelius first in Acts 10, verse 1. And he said, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now, he was a battle-scarred Roman centurion veteran. I mean, this guy, he, he didn't share the polytheistic beliefs of the Romans, but at the same time, he didn't have a real faith in God at that point, but he was a seeker. He was a seeker who wanted to know and to follow God in the worst way, and God honored his devotion. In verse 3, it said, One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision that he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, and Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? And he said, The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter, and he's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
And then down in verse 10, he said, he became hungry. This is now speaking about Peter. And he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And that's when he saw heaven open and all these weird things come in. And God told him to get up and eat. Kill and eat, he said. Kill and eat? Peter said, by no means, in verse 14, right? I've never eaten anything unholy and unclean. By no means. And yet, Peter, God was pointing out to him that this man Cornelius is coming. And you need to be able to minister to him and to his family. And in the end, Peter responded by reaching out to Cornelius. And in fact, through this episode, he was called distinctly to the Gentiles. What I have made clean is clean, God said. And he's the one who made it. He's the one who cleansed it. Peter obeyed and Peter responded with a whole lifetime dedicated to reaching out to the Gentiles. The problem is we all have these sheets of scorn. There's something about a certain people that... You, there's no way I could ever minister to them. I'm not going to go to the homosexual. I can't do that. I can't go to, you know, these, these drunks and these addicts. I can't do that. I can't go to the people of, of Haiti. Look at what they've done to themselves through these, this cycle of governmental selection that's just destroyed the whole people. How can I go and minister in a place like that? How do I do it in the, among the poor in Calcutta? You know, going to the Bastis and ministering in the slums. I can't do that. I can't even hardly look at a pile of trash and not want to throw up. I'm not the one. And yet God is saying, just trust me. Because in the call, you, you not only will overcome your prejudices, but I will empower you to reach people that you never dreamed you could reach before. We can do this. The men sent by Cornelius found out where, his house, where Simon's house was. They stopped at the gate. They called him out. Simon came out. Peter went down and he said to those guys, I'm the one you're looking for. He passed the test. He passed the test. He responded to the call that God had on his life. And as a result, God empowered him all the more to reach the Gentiles of his age. And finally, the possibility should all, always motivate us. Look at the opportunities that you have in your life and understand that God will use those possibilities to motivate you. You know, we just talked about CityServe. You know, we started, I remember when it first came to Grand Rapids and several of our pastors went out to the West Coast and found out what that was all about. They established a hub there in Grand Rapids that they could get other churches involved. And now I'm happy to see that you guys are involved as well. But we have ministered to so many hundreds of people in the area with just gifts, just flat out gifts where you just go and say, our church, just, we just want you to know that we love you. We love you and we just want you to have this gift. And it usually brings some kind of a conversation that allows you to tear down some walls and begin to talk to them about the amazing gift that you received one time when God came into your life and that they can share that with you as well. Some great opportunities. I encourage you to get involved in it. The days are evil, just as the Lord said, and his, imminent, his return is imminent. It's time for us to take some risks. Step out there. Don't hesitate, because this moment that you have with your neighbor, with your friend, with your coworker, with that student in the next desk, wherever you happen to be, that time to reach them is closing. You're not going to have another today. You know, you're not going to have another tomorrow by, by Tuesday, it'll be gone. And so use what you have right now as an opportunity. Don't hesitate. 
Don't allow those moments to slip by you. All of us need to see the whole world as part of our portfolio. We need to go back to those original calls and say, how can I get involved? What can I do? And remember that we have to die daily to ourselves in order to see the kingdom of God expanded. Communication networks around the world have made this place so small. Right now, I'm sure that just this uh, live stream is probably going out to people all over the world. I know in Grand Rapids, they track that stuff and they can say all the different countries that are receiving the broadcast. It's amazing, you know, but the world's getting smaller. So that means that it's a lot easier for us to communicate the message of life through Jesus Christ today than it ever was. But we need to take advantage of it. We can't just let it pass by. You know, you have at your seat there those uh, faith promise cards. If you're not a part of this, if you're not a part of missions in giving on a regular basis, well, shame on you. You're missing opportunities. There's an opportunity out there. You don't have to do much. Give up a couple of hamburgers every week or something. You know, I, I could sure use a little more of that myself. But, but do what we have to do to die daily to Christ in order to live to people that really need the message that we've been given. You need to get involved. And it doesn't matter how you think, well, that, that little bit's not going to make any difference. Well, the problem is that you're not thinking of the whole. You know, when the, every little bit is added up, it creates a bigger whole. And we can be a part of that just by participating in the faith promise, by giving. But we need to get out and do something. Listen for the call. Listen to the call to your neighborhood. Listen to the call overseas, wherever it is that God is calling you. Listen. Hear what God is saying and understand he wouldn't be putting that in your mind and heart if he didn't intend for you to do something about it. You know, I often tell young missionaries or young uh, people when they ask me about how do you know the voice of God? How do you know if I'm being called? I feel like I've got a real burden in my heart for India, let's say. How do I know if that's God or if that's just, you know, the fact that I like Indian food or something? You know, how is it that I know that? And I said, well, those fires don't go out. You remember Moses? And he saw this weird bush that just the fire kept burning and burning and it wouldn't go out. And finally, what is it that Moses did? He went to the bush. And when he got to the bush, God began to speak to him. Well, a lot of times that's what it is for us. You feel like maybe I'm called to be a part of uh, CityServe and to help out in any way I can over there. Well, go there and find out about it. Get involved. Try it out. You know, see if those shoes fit. Maybe those are the ones that were just for you. The gospel shoes that fit you are right there in that promise. And you become God's new Cinderella. Well, I wouldn't say that to the guys out here, but, but you know what I'm talking about. You, God's calling you. Sometimes we just got to go check it out. Let's find out. Let's talk to some missionaries that are over there. Let's get, begin to correspond. Get to know them. See what I can do. Get involved with some Indian families here in the area. And there are plenty of them. It doesn't matter where you're thinking. If you're thinking about uh, China or you're thinking about you know, any other country, even North Korea, we'll have people all around that, that are open to sitting down and just talking to you about their country. And I've found that just about everywhere I go. It's hard to find some area of the world where they are not represented here in the United States. You know, this mission field that we have right here in the United States encompasses the whole world because we have so many people that have come here. But be a part of it. Listen to these scriptures. Just jot down, if you're writing down some notes or something, jot down just the chapter and verse. I'm not going to read them all, or I'm not going to uh, give you enough time to write them down. But Acts 5.42, Acts 5.42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach 
Jesus Christ. They did it all the time. In Acts 10.42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which has ordained, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Romans 10.15. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And 1 Corinthians 9.16. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, 2 Timothy 4, 2. There are a lot of passages out there that command us to get moving, get talking, and understand that this word is going out. Just recently, I, I ran across this article, and maybe you have, and I'll close with this. This was, uh, and I won't be able to say his name. His nickname is Slavic. His first name is uh, Yarsolov. Last name is P-Y-Z-H. Any Ukrainians out there? P-Y-Z-H. Uh, I'm going to call him Slavic. The president, he's the president of the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. And he was recently asked, in light of the Russian invasion of your country, what will happen to the church if the atheist Russians come to power? And he responded, the church will go underground. We had that under the Soviet Union. The church did not forget what it means to be persecuted. We will rearrange, reorganize, and do what we always do, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. The church in Ukraine is not afraid of the Russian. They're not afraid of the Russian government. They're not afraid of Vladimir Putin. No, no. Their only fear is God. And they love their people. And they're willing to hold on to that message and to give it out to everybody that they meet. They've got the call from God. They've got the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. They've overcome their prejudices already, and they're going to seize whatever opportunity God gives them. But that word is going off, out, and we must be a more missional church. Just like Sean said earlier, we must. We must be a more missional church. We must become missional believers. Grab onto that. Know that there's a lot more people out there other than you that are responding in the same way. Hear from God. Go, send, pray. You can do one of those three, and I think you can do all of them. And so pray and ask God, what will he have me do? But don't walk away and do nothing. Hear the word of the Lord. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. By your life, by your life. You've been given an incredible gift of God. Don't let it be for nothing. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you, and I invite the musicians. Father, we thank you. For the incredible gift. I remember the day, Lord, I could, I could take this whole church to the spot on the campus of the University of Kansas early in the morning. I'm coming back from a shift at the, at the Goodyear plant in Topeka, and I'm about to go to my first classes of the day when you pulled me over in that little Opal Cadet we were driving back then. And in that moment, in that moment, you made clear to me the claims of Christ on my life. 
And Father, you made it sound like that's the only chance I'm going to have to accept Jesus Christ. I may never have another one. And so I jumped in and I said, yes, Lord, I invite you to take my life, whatever's left of it. I give it to you and I give it freely and I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. Forgive me, Lord for all the thoughts and the wrong deeds that I've done in the past and help me to follow you with a, with a sure heart. And I just give you thanks. And in that moment, you changed my life. And Lord, there are many here that can attest to that same thing that happened in their lives. There might be one or two that have never experienced that. I'm telling you that today, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And if you will just open it up to him and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. Help me to become more like you in every way. Help me to live a life of purpose, not one that just seems to bounce from side to side, but who, that's living, Lord God, on a, on, a, on a line straight from here into heaven. Help me to live that life, Lord, to die to myself, to live for you. And I thank you for that. God, as you pray that prayer, God changes your life. He'll make you whole in every way. And I pray, Lord, that this church will just be ignited. Let the fire of God burn in their hearts. Help them to be a people that share the faith that they've been given with everyone that they meet. And to get involved, not just here, but in a missional way all over the area through programs like CityServe and others, or just simply one-on-one -on -one evangelism to their friends and their family in the area. Whatever it takes, Lord, do that. And also call. God, continue to call us up. There may be another big step that we need to take for you, and I pray we'd have the courage to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ignite us, Lord, and we give you thanks in every way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand and praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's respond and sing this together this morning. If you'll stand with me together. I'm reflect on city serve as we reflect on your mission as we reflect on so many things that there are so many needs in our communities there are so many people in our circles who need to know you god and who's going to be the one to share the gospel with them who's going to be the one to be the hands and feet who's going to be the one to bring the light in the darkness Let our words echo the words of Isaiah. Here I am, Lord, send me. God, and I just pray, uh, there were a couple of points in Larry's sermon that I heard, Lord. I pray for the people who have had um, people on their hearts, who have had things on their hearts, who have had ministries on their hearts, that over and over again, we talk about things like city serve, or we talk about things like embrace grace. Lord, we talk about different ministries, God, and there's a tugging on people's hearts. Lord, I pray that you would continue to tug on their hearts. I pray that they would see that that is your spirit prompting them to take a step forward, Lord. And I pray for them that you would give them peace, that you would give them assurance that, Lord, as they maybe check out a new ministry, as they maybe take a next step, as they maybe join a connect group, that you would let them know that this is the step that you are leading them to, Lord. Lord, and just like Larry's story was that, Lord, you were going 
and it was his choice to follow, Lord, I know that there are other people here that you're saying to them, I'm going to be there. Are you? Lord, and let us be people who follow your covering, who follow your spirit, that when your anointing moves, when your presence leaves somewhere, Lord, it's a call to us to follow that. That, Lord, you are going to places in Africa and someone here in our church said, God, you're going there. And so I'm going to go there too. And Lord, I just pray that we would be people who are prompted by your spirit, prompted by your call, that we would be people who would take, um, take it to heart that we are your hands and your feet. Let us be people that use every gift, every talent, every opportunity to share your light and your love and your gospel, that we will be people who will go, that we will be people that will help send, and Lord, that we will be people that pray for your light to penetrate the darkness, Lord. And we know that as we go out into this broken world, as we go to be healing people to the hurt, you will go before us, behind us, and all around us. We give you all the praise, give you all the glory, and all the honor in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for, ser uh, for service this morning. Can we just thank Larry this morning uh, for sharing? Thank you so much, Larry. And uh, we hope that you guys have a great uh, week, and we will see you next week. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.